Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and always I, you know, tell you this every time, how thankful I am that you take the time to join in and listen. So welcome to the show today, and this week we are actually talking about mental illness, and are we really helping the ones we love? Are we actually helping them? And so I, I wanted to start with this verse, because it, it, it's fascinating to me how this applies in such a, such a very different way. And this is from uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 34. So it's 33 through about 35. And this is the crucifixion of Christ. And it says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his garments by casting lots, and the people stood watching, and the rulers sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he's the Christ, the chosen one. When we talk about mental illness, it's amazing how the Bible is literal and metaphorical in so many different ways. And so it's always been fascinating to me that the crucifixion happened at a place called the Skull. Because many, we know, many of our problems and our ailments and our struggles are, are in our mind and the way that we think. And, and we've spent so much time on, on different shows talking about the way we think and being disciplined in the way we think and what our thinking actually does. And so I, I talk many times to clients about, you know, the dying, the crucifying, it has to start in your head, it has to start in your mind. And so the second part of the verse then says that Jesus said to the Father, forgive them because they they don't know what they're doing. And so that applies to so many different things. It applies to the Pharisees and Sadducees that really had had no idea what they were doing and and the degree, the consequences of, of their envy, their hatred, their malice, their control, their legalism would do. And so Jesus is also saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This also applies to many of us who are doing crazy behaviors and and really not understanding the level of consequences. And that doesn't necessarily mean mental illness. That can just be sin. Many times we are in complete denial about what we're actually doing and what those behaviors can do to us. And then we also have mental illness when when we do struggle with the correct decisions and perceiving things correctly, and, and being able to take care of ourself. And that's varying degrees of mental illness. And so we want to really practice walking in forgiveness when we know someone that is struggling with a mental illness, that many times they don't know what they're doing. Now, this does not mean we don't hold people accountable, because that doesn't help them if we make excuses for them. But if we're dealing with people that have schizophrenia, to addictions, 
to depression, to anxiety, many times they really do not know the effect they are having on those around them. And what they may be doing to themselves in a destructive manner is they are trying to cope with that mental illness. And so I want you to really consider that and to think on this, that, that this is another area that God is saying, we need to forgive them. And we need to forgive them if they let us down. And if they fall back into a struggle, if they've overcome something and fall back into it. If they make a really bad choice, what if someone in your family is struggling with alcohol and they get a DUI? What if someone that you love actually suicides because of the mental illness that they have? And last week we talked all week about forgiveness. And so we're starting again this week with this sweet part of the life and the heart of Jesus, of God our Father, that is always saying, forgive, forgive. And those, those of you that are struggling with any mental illness, addictions, these types of things, you need to also forgive yourself as you really work on that. See, no, nobody wants to have a mental illness. That, that's, this is, those are the hardest things to have. It's much easier to have a physical illness. And when I say easier, I'm saying it's generally more accepted in our society to have a physical illness. We can talk about that. We can express that, lament about that. But mental illnesses, are they always continue to seem to have this stigma. So are we actually helping the ones we love? Well, whether you or, or a family member or a friend, or maybe it's a significant relationship, have a formal mental health diagnosis, it's important to really understand the effects that it has on the family and on your relationship. And it's imperative to the healing and the restoration of the one who suffers that you really have an understanding of what is going on. And so that doesn't mean you have to you know, get a master's degree in, in psychology or something or become a medical doctor. But you want to fully understand if you are choosing to love this person that has a mental illness and an, or an addiction, which are the, the one and the same, it's, Im, it's imperative that you, you really understand what's going on. Because if you don't, you'll have a very difficult time with grace, you'll have a very difficult time with mercy, and you will have a very difficult time with endurance. And you'll, you'll be taking things personally that, that aren't personal. Or you will be exacerbating it or enabling it. So knowing how you may be hurt in the process or how you may be hurt or discouraged or, or, or abused in some way if you are with someone that has a mental illness, it's very important to know that as well as you need to understand how you may inadvertently hurt the one that you love, misunderstand, abuse the one that you love as well. So many times our best intentions end up doing more harm than good. And this is where we forgive. We don't know what we're doing all the time. And so we are still learning so much about mental illnesses. And, and there's many things that we did 20 years ago that we do not do now. So we are always learning. So we're always in a forgiving position of saying, Father, you need to give us wisdom because we really don't know what we're doing a lot of times. And so we want to make sure 
that we really help them because we hate to see people that, that we love suffer. And it's a helpless feeling to have to watch someone struggle and feel like you can't do anything to really help. And so we really want to be able to have that patience. We want to be very accepting. And it doesn't mean that we accept bad behaviors because bad behaviors are harmful to, to the, 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 the person suffering and to, and to anyone around them. But we want to accept the fact that they're probably doing the best they can. Because if they could do better, why, why wouldn't they do better? And so we want to do this in a healthy way when we are practicing acceptance. It, it's, it's very frustrating. And it can be very discouraging. And it's hard when you feel ineffective. So knowing the difference between behaviors that are actually conducive to the diagnosis, that are about the diagnosis, and what may be just average normal behaviors and feelings that are being exhibited, you, we want to know the difference between those. And so how do we tell the difference? So what is normal for what you think, feel, and behave like? And how do we know if we need more comprehensive assistance and help? So think about what, what do you think is normal? And, and many times, that's a really important question for all of us. How normal are we really acting? What is really, truly normal? And so when we are thinking about on this continuum, when we're diagnosing people with any type of illness, whether it be physical or mental illnesses, we are always looking at the extreme, how, how extreme the behaviors are, how extreme the diagnosis is being presented, or how mild the diagnosis is. And when I say the diagnosis, I mean in terms of how it is affecting the person and how extremely is it affecting their life, your life, their job, the children, the friends, the fa whoever that is. Or maybe it's mild. And many times if it's mild, it can go on for years and we don't treat it, and it can become worse. And so when we really look at having a formal diagnosis, we have to recognize that the healing process of a mental illness does not necessarily mean that it goes away. It means that it's managed. Because when we truly have a formal mental health diagnosis, that is, a, that is a, in many ways a DNA issue. That is a, it is a physical issue, even though it is manifesting behaviorally, emotionally, and it's occurring in the brain. So I, I consistently tell clients and family members who have to remember the brain is an organ like any other organ in the body. And so we treat the pancreas, we treat the liver, we treat stomach, we treat all the intestinal parts of us, we treat our, the bones, we treat skin, blood, all of this. And so the brain is also an organ, just like any other organ in the body. And when we have done shows before, when we talk about how we think and these types of things, we, we remind ourselves that we are the one that is in charge of our brain in many ways. Well, if you have a mental illness... It's kind of like having a computer that has a virus in it. And no matter what information you put in, you get weird information back, or it's really slow to process, or it's dropping information, or it stalls out, shuts down. And so it's very frustrating when you think about how you're dealing with your own computer if it's not working, if your, your cell phone isn't working. Well, this is how people feel when they are struggling with a mental illness. It's a lot harder to do life 
when your brain doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And so we also really need to understand stigma. The helplessness, the frustration, the anxiety that comes with either having a mental illness or loving someone with a mental illness. Because if we're not careful, we can, we can burn out. It's very exhausting for the patient, for the family, for the loved ones. So we also want to comprehend the grief that's involved in accepting a mental health diagnosis. And we want to take advantage of both personal and professional resources when it comes to this, because there's so much stigma that people just want to try to deal with it on their own. They want to be in denial about it. It's, it's, very, it's very grievous to have to come to terms with the fact that, wow, you know, I may suffer with depression. I may suffer with anxiety. I may suffer with um, autism, Asperger's, any of the sensory processing disorders. Maybe I have a loved one that has schizophrenia. Maybe I, maybe I have a loved one that, that, is, that is a drug addict, is an alcoholic, is, has eating disorders, a, a workaholic, whatever these types of different behavioral problems are that people compulsively and impulsively do and don't seem to always be able to get a handle on it. It's grievous. We'd all rather be in denial and pretend like it's not happening. And the more that we are in denial, the more we th- hope it goes away, usually the worse it gets. So the impact of a, a mental health diagnosis is many and varied. And whether you're the person struggling or the person that's loving when suffering, understanding all those relational implications and the effects dramatically change the prognosis of the healing process. So the healing and or the destructive power of a relationship is vital to comprehend knowing and understanding the impact we have on each other. Because I'm either a part of the healing or it becomes destructive. So the person struggling destroys my life or if I'm the one loving the person with a mental health diagnosis, I may be destructive in their life. So the thing that we really want to understand, and we see this throughout the Bible, and that's the verse I, I started out with, is that God is a God of relationship first and foremost. And the primary source of healing his people is always done through relationship. That's how he chooses to heal people, through other people. So our relationships either heal and restore or destroy and harm. And it, it, the, the relationship process can be even more powerful than any medication that we give someone. That does not mean that the medication isn't necessary, but it means that the medication can only go so far. The relationship piece for anyone struggling with a mental health issue, if it's a positive, helpful, supportive relationship that is not enabling or codependent, is one of the things that helps those people stay above the line, helps them keep fighting, helps them to keep having hope, and helps them to keep making good decisions. So the medication, we are so fortunate to be able to take advantage of the medication. I I consistently tell clients, you know, thank God for the 21st century. It used to be that people that had mental health uh, disorders 
years and years, hundreds and whatever years ago, just drank themselves to death, killed themselves, these types of things. There's many accidental deaths that people have endured throughout the years that really were probably not accidental. And so it's, it's really important to understand that medication is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. But it is not the entire answer in any way, shape, or form. It's the same thing as if, if someone struggles with diabetes, thank God for insulin, right? But if they don't change any of their behaviors and take care of their body and respect the disease, the insulin can only do so much. So it is the same with any of the psychotropic medications that are afforded anyone with a mental illness. If they don't do behavior and lifestyle changes, the medication can only do so much. And so God does this healing through us, in us, for us. So if you love someone with a mental illness, there's a really great gift that God is going to give you through that process. And so it's important that we really look at, look at this. So we're going to talk a little bit about the, this um, whole issue of the, the impact of mental illness on families and really understanding that denial is one of the first things that occur. And this, this whole grief and loss process is one of the most difficult aspects of coming to terms with mental illness for the patient and for the family and the loved ones. So when it first strikes, family members really may want to deny that the person has this continuing illness, and they many times want to, to turn it into a behavioral problem, that they're either weak, they're um, oversensitive, they're lazy, they are, um, have no self-control, whatever it is that makes it easier to accept the, the, you know, easier to not have to deal with the fact that there may be a mental illness. So in the most acute part of the, the episode for family members, they will really be alarmed in many ways by what is actually happening to the loved one when they really come to terms with, wow, this is really actually happening. And so when, when that is kind of over and some of that, and the mental illness or the addiction is, is managed and things return to kind of some normalcy, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of relief because we want to put that painful, oh my gosh, the crisis moment when we actually got the diagnosis and then we had to start treatment of whatever kind and, and we don't ever want to go back to that. So this whole entire process, many times people believe that now everything is going to be fine and it will never return. And so they, they want to hope that all the symptoms that were caused by this problem was maybe really external or just an episode that uh, just was like a fluke. It was like, oh, they just got too tired or they burned out at work or whatever it was. And, and, we w and many times families want to think like, wow, we'll just now have a fresh start. And they even may want to consider, we'll just, if it's a child, if it's a teenager, we'll remove them from the school, put them in a new school, that'll fix it. Or, you know, we need to change jobs, or maybe it was the relationship, I need to get rid of that person, you know, that whatever, whatever we do. And, and many times it's really trying to just say, oh, that was so painful, we don't want to believe that it's actually going to be an enduring issue. Because mental illnesses do not come and go. They either get better or they get worse. 
And so many times what we, what we see with people is as they age, if it's not treated, this is when it starts to get worse. And there certainly are external stressors that can exacerbate a mental illness. And so we, we, it's, it's important that we understand the impact it has on the family because there's going to be a tremendous amount of tension. It's going, it's going to be a lot of tension on the patient, a lot of tension and stress on the family members as they are trying to figure out what to do and deal with some of the feelings that they have that are going to absolutely be negative. And that's just a reality. And so as we're doing this, it's really understanding that that the brain is very arrogant and that this stigma of mental illness and the shame that comes with that has a lot to do with how arrogant our brain is. And and this is why it's so much easier to think, to, to say, wow, anyone that has a mental illness would much rather have a physical ailment. It's easier to fix. It's more acceptable. You can talk about it. So even when family members have knowledge to deal with mental illness, they're still reluctant to discuss the family member because they don't know how how other people are going to react. So one of the reasons I'm really focusing on this this week is really understanding that we all have, in many ways, this subtle prejudice. Maybe sometimes it's not so subtle. And even our closest friends may not understand and there are so, there's the myths and the misconceptions that surround mental illness that we're going to really be talking about. And so there are some mental illnesses that are a little bit more acceptable than others. So addictions many times carry a tremendous amount of shame in families. If somebody has bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, they're suicidal, they have deep depression, they're suicidal. Anxiety disorders are many times a little bit more socially acceptable. But we want to really think about the fact that God died for everything that has occurred in the fallen body that we are living within. And he judges nothing. He does not judge. And so as we are coming to the end of this, we're going to talk more tomorrow about really how we help the one we love and what that means and how we come alongside and how we help ourselves. If we're the one that's struggling with a mental illness, how do I help myself as well? And so I love the Hippocratic Oath, and I'm sure you've heard of it, and it is usually said as first, do no harm. Actually, that's not anywhere in the Hippocratic Oath, but... This is part of the Hippocratic Oath. And so at the very end of it, it really says, Also I will, according to my ability and judgment, prescribe a regimen for the health of the sick, but I will utterly reject harm and mischief. So one of the things we're ending on today is, if you know someone that has a mental illness, above all else, don't, don't do harm. If you don't know what to do, at least don't do harm. So if you have ignorance, if you have judgment, if you have anger, unforgiveness, that's what we want to deal with. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website. You can hear the show in its entirety. And thank you for those of you who called and let me know that we didn't get the shows. They somehow didn't load. So thank you for letting us know about that on the website. 
Join me tomorrow as we talk more about actually helping the one you love. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.